For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Looking to bet on the NFL this season? There's no better place to wager than betonline.ag. From spreads to totals to player props, you can bet on anything and everything NFL at betonline.ag this season. BetOnline is the official provider of all betting lines used on the TDN Fantasy Podcast and the DraftNetwork.com. Go to betonline.ag and start wagering on the NFL, college football, and so much more right now. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy Podcast Podcast. with your hosts, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Chris Schubert, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians back once again. Divisional previews. We're out west. The NFC West up on the docket today. And we were just talking in the pre-show. We were very excited for this episode when, when Monday's episode concluded. And the three of us all were in agreement that this division was a little harder than we anticipated it was going to be. So this is going to be a very fun uh, conversation. If you're just joining us for the first time doing these divisional previews, uh, we go team by team, biggest bus potential, biggest sleeper, one burning question for either team. And then if we have any outstanding players that we want to talk about, we get to them as well. We're going in the order in which the teams finished in the division last year, which I remember to start time. with the Seattle Seahawks. Thank you, Jamie, for remembering the order. And I will say I had an easier time coming up with with the with the busts in, in this division than I did the sleepers. So I want to see if we're all on the same page here. Jamie, I'll start with you. Biggest bust potential. For the Seattle Seahawks. Okay, so I will preface this by saying that this player is still ranked as a wide receiver one for me. But I do, and I'm going to bring this name up again for the second year in a row for at least have this conversation. Mm -hmm. I brought up DK Metcalf, and here's why. I I, I have his name down too, so. Here's why. From in the back half of the season, from weeks 10 to 17 last year, DK Metcalf was the wide receiver 37 in average fantasy points per game. Uh, even behind Tyler Lockett, about six spots in that same range. Right now, he is coming off the board as the number five wide receiver in fantasy drafts in the middle of the second round as the 18th overall pick. That's a lot of potential there. That's a lot of bust potential. I still have him. He's my wide receiver 10. I still like him. I think he should still be in that wide receiver one category because he was dominant in that first half of the season. But 
we and I'll go into my burning question we get into later. We saw the tale of two halves with this Seattle Seahawks yep. team, and they were vastly different in the way they operated their offense and the success of their offense, both in real life and in fantasy. I just want to caution because if you if you particularly if you did not roster DK Metcalf last year, you saw how big of a start he had. You probably saw his end of the year final rank. You didn't have to ride that journey late in the season and in the fantasy postseason where you had a lot of single-digit fantasy performances from this receiver that's now going number five at the position and inside the middle of the second round as a top 20 overall player. I still like him a lot. I don't like him at his current ADP, but there is some bust potential here if he's going to be taken in the early to mid part of the second round. I'm, I, I'm just saying you just do a little bit more research and understand that there's a lot of good receivers in that top category right now, and Metcalf has more bust potential than I think people are giving him credit for. I love that one, James. I had no idea he was going that high. I, I kind of had him in my head as more that 12 to 15 kind of guy anyway, so there, I didn't put the bust potential there. And his play really coincided with Russell Wilson's drop. He went from the MVP unanimous to not even in the conversation, not getting any votes anymore. I put Gerald Everett. I love the player. I don't know if I love the fit. They're going to use multiple tight ends. They have some other guys that Russell already has chemistry with. You're adding Dwayne Eskridge to the mix. I don't know if they're going to go more 11 personnel. What does his offense look like with we're going to take Russ out of the kitchen and it's going to go back to Chris Carson. I got a lot of questions there. I I mean, he's probably drafting ADP wise. He's probably pretty safe. I don't know that there's a bust there for, for ADP, but he's a big free agent signing that people are going to get excited about. Yeah, and you know, right now I believe he's going as the tight end 21 in drafts, but he's somebody that I could see getting some preseason training camp buzz and kind of pushing up draft boards. Like I, I want him to be a thing, but I'm just I'm not so certain that he's gonna be that or be the clear. I think that's more where I'm coming from. So I, I don't yeah. want him to be a thing. My UAB brother, I, I love it, but like I just don't know that the fit is that great. I, I gotta see it first. Yeah, like I'm fine with him at his current ADP, but if it starts to rise significantly this in this preseason that we're starting to get into, I mean, uh, most teams are reporting eight days from now. Um, so, or excuse me, six days from now. So it, it's really exciting to kind of see that 29 of the 32 teams are reporting next week. So if he gets some preseason buzz and starts moving up the charts, like to me, he's he's not somebody you can go into your season with him as your starting tight end. Uh, Jamie, I'm with you with DK Metcalf because of it ties into one. I actually had two burning questions for this Seattle team. And one of them is which Seattle offense do we get? The one from the first half of the year or one from the second half of the year? Because I think if it's the one from the second half of the year, DK Metcalf is not going to be anywhere close to the ADP that we've seen him. Or, or do we have a third offense, which is a new offense with a new play caller and right. we changing things up? That's That was my question is, is this a totally new offense? Are we running more under center play action are we what are, is it really going to go through Carson and not through Russ I, I think or the third option there is, is was my question yeah that's that to me is basically which half of the season is going to, going to be reflective of this year's Seahawks or this is going to be a team that's going to throw it a lot they're going to try to run it they're going to let the quote-unquote let Russ cook are they going to they're going to put the ball in his hands constantly or they're going to try to be more balanced. They're going to try to run the ball more often. They're going to try to spread the ball around more than they did at points last year where it was Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf hogging all of the targets. That's the big question for me because I'm at the point now where I look at this and I go, we saw what the peak could be for some of these offensive players, but we also saw what the Valley could be like, and they were both eight game stretches. Like that's a scary thing. It was literally like eight games break eight more games. So 
I, I'm just saying, like, I still like these guys. It's still a top-heavy team. You know, Metcalf and Lockett and Carson Wilson. You kind of know, like, those are the guys that you have to get on your team, and everybody else is kind of in different spots. But I, I, I don't know what to, I think there are way more questions about what we're going to see from this Seattle Seahawks offense than I think are being asked right now. And I think everybody's kind of assuming they're going to operate the way they did in the first half of the season, and I'm not. Yeah. Biggest sleeper. Where do we go on this one, Jake? I went Russell Wilson, which sounds a little weird, but you're, you got you know you got guys in this division getting a lot of hype. You got a guy in this division getting a lot of hype that hasn't played a down yet, and then is not even the starter in San Francisco. I think he could kind of be a forgotten guy. You're still going to have to draft him in the mid rounds. He's still going to have to go earlier than a lot of guys. But when we go, what is his offense going to look like? To me, I love the addition of Everett just as a playmaker here and there. I don't know how it relates to fantasy, but it gives him an option. I love Dwayne Eskridge. He's a little guy, but he can play outside. They can now get really creative and move DK Metcalf inside. I think they're going to let Russ cook, and the ball is going to come out of his hand a little faster. Instead of him running around making plays, I think they're going to try to get some of these playmakers in space, which you haven't seen them do a lot in the past. Uh, I just think he might fall down the board a little bit. I mean, we're talking a couple spots, but you're talking about a guy that's been top three, top four quarterback for five or six years now. And I think a lot of people are going to take that second half of the, the eight-game stretch last year of really bad football. And I love superstars with chips on their shoulder. And you take a guy like this that's a superstar with a big ego and already has a big chip on his shoulder, and Matt Stafford's in the division getting a lot of love. I can see him playing really, really well. Yeah, you know, on my side of things, as I mentioned before, it's kind of a top-heavy team in terms of fantasy production, so they're not a ton of sleepers. But, you know – I'm fine with this current ADP right now, but the guy I have my eye on is Dwayne Eskridge, just because I want to see with Shane Waldron calling plays, it's a different offensive coordinator, different play caller, different offense than we've seen. Do they get a third receiver actively involved? Now, David Moore had flashes at times over the last couple of years, but he really wasn't a player that was targeted quite frequently. Does that change here? The ball spread around a lot more in Los Angeles over the last few years than it has in Seattle. Is there room for a third pass catcher to kind of be that option and kind of get a little bit more looks? And right now, as we used to joke, I'm not going to bring up his name again, but as we used to joke about the Seattle wide receiver depth chart, there's not a lot of competition in front of, or excuse me, behind Eskridge right now to take his spot as the number three wide receiver in that offense. So I am very curious to see if they start to move the ball around to at least a few more people in that offense. And if that a wide receiver three can emerge as somebody that's going to be at least a solid bench option for you. Um, all of our burning questions the same in terms of just what the heck does this offense look like? Yep. Which version of it? I also kind of threw in there. I had a second one of who's the running back two on this team because there could be some opportunity there if Chris Carson is banged up, who ultimately emerges as that RB two. I think um, it's Penny, some, but Penny's got to stay I, I on do the field. too. But but they they have other names in that room to where if Penny doesn't stay healthy, there's opportunity. Yeah, there. so I, mean, I you think got, you got Travis Homer, DJ Dallas, like they've got. They've got a bunch of guys. And by the way, Rashad Penny is just a guy as well. Agreed, yeah, agreed. <laughs> but, but Chris Carson injury history is something sure. to discuss. And if he does get get hurt, who's going to take that workload, I think is important. It's Penny if he's out. healthy. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have any concern about that. If Penny's also hurt, which again is a strong possibility, <laughs> then I think you're going to see the combination of, of Homer, DJ Dallas. Maybe they bring in a veteran midseason. Like, I guess Adrian I, I, Peterson being a landing spot there. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think this is a – even though Carson has an injury history, I don't think he's a guy that you're trying to handcuff. Like, I, no. I don't think that's – you're not looking for his backup in fantasy drafts. Speaking of having a handcuff at running back, let's talk about the Los Angeles Rams next up here. Uh, so on my the bust list is here. Cam Akers. I don't think he's going to live up to his ADP. 
Uh, can I can I very quickly tell a story about how th- three days ago, right before he got hurt, I traded for him in my yeah. dynasty league. So I, I oh. traded Alvin Kamara for him. Down part a, of the- Daryl Henderson trade. The and then I turned down a Daryl Henderson trade the day before. Yeah, it's it's been a rough couple of days for me, Jake. Oh. I traded I trade a big package to get the second overall pick in the rookie draft in Cam Akers. I trade Kamara away for that that trade. I then make I do all, my entire rookie draft, and then the day before Akers uh, blows his Achilles, I get an offer for Daryl Henderson for like a, a a pick, and I'm like, nah, like I don't need to do that right now. Like it's no big deal. Next day I wake up, there's the Adam Schefter tweet. <laughs> And I kind of need to revisit that trade a little bit more. Yeah, and it just went up. Yeah, oh, price went up big time. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. Well, we're, I, my we're RB... talking about your boy. I'll throw him out there. I got Daryl Henderson as my bust. I, I love Cam Akers. I was all in on the Cam Akers train this year. I thought it was going to be a monster. And I think too many people are just going to assume Daryl Henderson could fill his shoes 100%. And I don't think he can. Really solid player when he's healthy. Hasn't been healthy that much flashes a little bit but doesn't flash like cam Akers. i mean i think cam Akers had the potential to be a top five running back three down guy and be a monster if he was healthy i don't think daryl henderson has that ability i think they got to go a little bit more by committee now and i think too many people are just going to say okay i'll just take daryl henderson and put him in i don't think that's going to work yeah and you know next week i'm going to be doing a rankings refresh at the draftnetwork.com you'll kind of get to see where <laughs> yes chris I have a question. Is Cam Akers' ranking going to change? Are you going to yeah, change? Yeah, he's, he's, okay, he's going to okay. drop a little bit. Uh, but I ended up putting Daryl Henderson. If you if you checked out my the article I wrote yesterday on the draftnetwork.com, and if you haven't, please go check that out under the fantasy tab. Of, I'm trying to figure out where to put Daryl Henderson. I, I, I kind of slot him as a low-end RB2. Uh, you know, right around RB22, RB23. I think that's an appropriate value for him and what I think his workload could be. You're going to have to factor in a couple missed games for him as well. But he's not going to... Uh, step in and be Cam Akers. Cam Akers was an RB in RB one territory when we would we mm-hmm. were discussing him. Um, but we'll get back to more Dale Henderson in a second because that's going to be my burning question. But my bust is going to be, and I'm going to go a little bit weird off the board here, uh, based on their current overall ranking, is the Rams defense. And I'm fine with you taking them as number one because they they do generate plenty of turnovers. But right now they're going number 128 overall so early in the 11th round stop taking defenses that early in your draft build your bench build these guys because more often than not you're not going to keep a defense throughout the season you want to mix and match based on the matchups it's statistically been proven to be the better option than taking any of these defenses and last year most teams that mixed and matched would actually have been better off than the defense that finished number one overall and you having them every single week um, I'm not considering a defense inside the top 150 overall. You shouldn't either. Uh, that was my bust of just stop. There's You don't win a prize for being the first person to draft the defense in your league. And you're more often than not, you're going to be disappointed. It's a little bit of a cop-out, Jane, but I like it. Oh, I thought for this, sure. this division's tough, man. We said this division was tough. Jamie's throwing out the Rams defense. Yeah. I thought for sure Jamie would 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 put Stafford there to just go off on Stafford for no, a little bit. I mean, he's going to skew me 12. Okay, I, and I have him at what 15, 14, and he's he's right now with tied with Burrow at, at 12, 13. Like, he's going Look, at the point where I think it's fair. Like, I thought about Stafford as well, and then I went, Cam Akers just got hurt. He's liable to be a quarterback six before this is over with. I, yeah, I, I think, think the I offense think the, changes slightly to go yeah. more towards Stafford than they wanted to with Cam Akers being healthy. I really like the point you made at the beginning because I do think this is going to be another one of those case studies of everybody, like the three of us who are super high on Cam Akers, 
I think there are going to be people out there that just look at K-Makers being hurt and say, oh, all of his production is just going to go to Daryl Henderson. No problem. Easy peasy. Just slide him up the depth chart when it doesn't work that way. And so I think his ADP, Daryl Henderson's, is going to be much higher. I don't think it's going to get to K-Makers level, but it's going to get much higher than where Daryl Henderson should be going even under this situation. So I think that's going to be an interesting thing uh, to look at. To me, we're talking late fourth, early fifth round is when you should Mm -hmm. be considering Daryl Henderson where K-Makers was going in round two top half of round two yeah which is actually really solid i mean if you have to go receiver early because you get stuck in the you know end of the first round or something that's not a bad guy to end up with he's gonna have a ton of volume i think i just don't know that the production is quite the same i don't know he's gonna play as many third downs i'm not buying this whole they're not gonna go out and shop for running backs thing they like that their room is deep and all that crap no they're they're gonna bring in somebody do they bring somebody in before final cuts like right. that's the I only question t- like do they wait for that i saw a tweet that i think would be right up jamie's alley because somebody suggested i forget who it was so apologies for not giving the proper credit but i saw somebody suggest the rams because they know they do this well they're all in they go and make trades trading for james robinson and i thought oh this is something i need to run by jamie maybe i just think they're going to ask for too much if they're going to trade for somebody i think a philip Lindsay or royce freeman would make more sense okay. in terms of just giving up less draft capital um, because I oh, still the Rams think don't the, care about draft capital. What are you talking about? Yeah, they don't have much to give. <laughs> Kicking down the road about five more years. They don't have much to give, but I, th- I think they wait and see. Uh, just, I, I mean, look, the options available right now in the market aren't all that exciting. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, but also the, the options behind them are not all exciting. You got you have a special teamer in Raymond Calais. You've got two UDFAs, and you got a seventh-round pick. Like, that is the Rams step chart behind Dale Henderson right now. I think Royce Freeman, his size, pick up the blitz, catches it well. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I don't think you're going to have to give six or seventh. Yeah, out of conference, too. So there's no, like, weirdness that happens there. Like, it just it makes too one, much yeah, sense. I like that one. Um, Jamie, you hinted it's at just it. time Todd Gurley just to watch the internet explode. So I yeah. saw that suggestion out there, too. Don't you're worry. already paying him. Uh, you might as well bring him back. Bring him back. <laughs> yeah, might as well. Mitch will bring back uh, the media, I, too. Jamie, you hinted at it. I know it's my my question for me. I don't know if it's Jake's, but my burning question is what does this running back situation look like? Because I think it goes beyond just Daryl Henderson. It's what does this running back room look like? And I know you hinted at it. Jake, is it the same for you? Is it a sweep there? Kind of. I went, does everything lean more towards Matt Stafford now because of the running back situation? So same thing, but does the offense take a little bit of a change? You hear this gushing from Sean McVay about Matt Stafford. I think he wants to light it up with that. I think he was going to hold himself back a little bit with Cam Akers. So does that change more towards Stafford and everything going that way instead of the running game? Yeah. I mean, on the same front is can Dale Henderson step up? Like this is his opportunity now. Like you got drafted as a rookie and you were behind Todd Gurley. Malcolm Brown got a lot of work. You know, last year we thought in the, you know, February, March after Gurley got released that it was going to be Henderson's time. They end up drafting Cam Akers kind of run a three-headed monster there with Brown, Akers, and Henderson until Akers really took over in week 13 last year. There is no competition for him. Like, again, we're talking like Raymond Clay and Otis Anderson and Jake Funk. I mean, these are not, uh, you know, Xavier Jones. Um, these are not options that are going to unseat him if he's healthy. So he is going to have the opportunity now. The offense that he's been in the last couple of years and will be in this year is significantly different than the one he ran at Memphis. And there's been a learning curve for him to kind of get there. He has shown flashes, but can he prove to be a week in and week out starting caliber running back for fantasy purposes? Because that's the big question now. The Arizona Cardinals, the oh, next we didn't team do sleepers, up here. Chris. 
What? We did. We didn't do sleep. Man, this is this is the second we show in a row. I've just skipped over. I know you're just category. Yeah, My apologies. Yeah. I'm just really excited. Your blanks. Well, the co- uh, no, I actually have a name here. It's not one of my blanks. Yes, yeah, so you just, just actually, totally just missed it. Okay. Okay, so sleepers, very quick. Sorry, Van Jefferson for me. Uh, That's right mine now, too. Yeah, mine yeah. Too. He's he's going outside the top 100 wide receivers right now. He's my wide receiver 81. There are about 80 to 90 targets that have been vacated just from Josh Reynolds leaving. I know Deshaun Jackson is there, but dude hasn't been able to stay healthy in a half decade. He can't do as many things as a, as a route runner, as a receiver right now that Van Jefferson can do. Uh, I know they've been high on him since the second they drafted him, and he had a really strong, brief camp last year. I mean, that last year was always a, a crazy, uh, obviously, if everybody remembers what happened with last offseason. But I think he's a player that can get a lot of looks here. I want to see if he's somebody that Stafford likes. We don't know what kind of the chemistry is. But again, I think there's chemistry, James. Yeah. You know who Van Jefferson's dad is? I do. Sean Jefferson, the receiver coach for the Arizona Cardinals. You know where he spent a long time as a receiver coach? Detroit with Matt Stafford. Okay. So tie it all back together it's good, it's there. Good little there. Van Jefferson's yeah. damn sure my sleeper too. Now, if there's room in that offense for somebody other than Cooks and, and uh, excuse Woods. me, other than Woods and Cup, put them together there, right. uh, to be in that offense and to have some success. I got one other bus potential, by the way. Okay. James is going to love this one. Oh, Tutu boy. Atwell. I don't even know where he's Oh, well, yeah, he's not even – yeah, With the name value given. alone, the fact that they drafted him that high, people were thinking it's going to be a thing. It's not going to be a thing. Don't, don't like – to me, they like, don't draft it, don't touch it, don't even put it on your, like, little star on the bench to pay attention to. I just yeah. can't – other than returning punts. Yeah, no. I don't even know if he returns punts, but, like, I just can't Did find he return the punch over he's going to fit over a guy like Van Jefferson, who's a pro's yeah. pro, son of a longtime player, who's a dad's a coach – gets the nuance of the game. I just, I don't see it. I draft Cam Akers before I drafted Tutu Atwell. <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> there's your there's your hot take. Oh, that I'm clipping that and putting it on Twitter. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals, uh, the next team up here. Uh, let's start with the biggest bus potential. I'm intrigued to see where the room goes on this. Categories this time, Chris? Probably not, but we'll start with the biggest uh, bus potential. Look, I'm going to go with, I think his ADP is fine right now, but I'm going to go with Chase Edmonds. Like that's the obvious answer here to me yes. just because, uh, you know, for guys that are going really high. I mean, I think we, we can talk about AJ Green and some of these other guys, but like for me, it's Chase Edmonds. And, and it's just the fact that we have no idea how we can handle this sort of workload as the starter. We don't know how well he's going to run between the tackles. If they ask him to do that significantly more than he has, he's not been a guy that's had a high volume of touches. Can he make it through the entire season? So to me, again, I'm fine with him as long as he stays in this low-end RB2 type of a draft spot. But I, I just to, I just don't know what I'm getting with him. Like if you told me at the end of the year that we got 10 games and he finished as like the average is RB35 or something, I don't think I'd bat an eye. I think that's well within the realm of possibility for him. We are making and understanding that's part of the playing fantasy is making assumptions. But we are making a lot of assumptions to put Chase Edmonds where he is right now. I am doing it too. I'm not throwing stones, but there is a high level of bust potential for him right now where he could be a guy that is just a, a, a fantasy nightmare to manage most of the season. I can easily see that happening. I like that. I, I almost put that down. I went a little bit farther because these guys got way too much hype, and I don't know ADP-wise, but I, we live here. So A.J. Green and Rondell Moore, I put them yeah. both on there. A.J. Green looked like he had absolutely nothing left last year. And, yes, he's got to change the scenery for the first time. 
And yes, he's playing with Kyler. I don't know that that matters. I, I don't even know if he's on the field. Now there's rumors that, that the Cardinals want Larry back bad and Larry's trying to make a decision and where does he fit? Rondo Moore's exciting, but he has an extensive injury history as well. And I don't know that you can really take a rookie, plug him into this weird offense, going four wides. I almost put DeAndre Hopkins on here in the whole damn receiving core as being a bust potential because they're all getting too much love. Kyler was really good for 10 games last year, fantasy-wise, but most of it was rushing and was really bad the last six. Once the second Seattle game came around, which I pointed out a hundred times on the show, they almost put the blueprint on how to stop this offense on tape. And everybody did it from then on. They struggled. I don't know. I don't know what I'm getting is the other thing, but I think those two guys have a huge bust. AJ Green's name value is going to have people draft him in mid rounds. And that's just insane to me. The Cardinals as a unit, as a team, have some of the biggest boss potential in the NFL, just from a real life football standpoint. Like their range of outcomes this year probably is anywhere between uh, a best case scenario, 11 and six, and worst case scenario, probably six and 11. Maybe, you know what I mean? Like they have a wide range of outcomes for this team because I can easily see a scenario where this is just this blows up in everybody's face and we're talking about Kingsbury and Kime and, you know, Murray going into next year as a make or break season. And like, I mean, I could see this really going off the rails here. Yeah. I mean, you got pressure on the coaching staff, as you mentioned, they're on the hot seat. Uh, I would think Steve's on the hot seat with that, even though he's built a decent team, but it's a weird team. It's young and old and that yeah. defense gets injuries and the stuff you're hearing about Kyler, of how hard he works, how much he loves it, how much he wants to be a superstar but doesn't want to put in the time, that doesn't work as a quarterback in the NFL. And do you have the same thing with DeAndre Hopkins, your superstar there that thinks he's Allen Iverson and doesn't have to practice and just shows up on game day? I love Allen Iverson, by the way. Let me let me preface it by saying that. But DeAndre Hopkins, apparently, I mean, that's why he doesn't do anything. He doesn't practice a couple of days a week. He just wants to show up on game day. All that – I agree with you. All that goes into – the whole team has a ton of bust potential. Uh, I also went Chase Evans, Jamie, and, and you kind of eloquently made our position for us. But I would just add to it that I think people assume that they because they signed James Conner, this is just going to be the same thing we saw with Kenyon Drake and, J- and Chase Edmonds, just with Chase Edmonds taking the Kenyon Drake role. And I don't know if if Chase can do that. It's some, They're asking him to do something that he's never done before. And I really don't know how much this team is going to get from James Conner. So it's going to fall a lot on Chase Edmonds to, to lead this running game. And it's just a, it is a big risk for a guy who's going as an RB2. And so, yeah, I don't disagree with his ADP right now because I think if, if it all works, yeah, you're looking at an RB2 easy. But I think the range of outcomes on him specifically is just too wide to that there's a lot of potential there. A biggest sleeper. I don't want to miss this category this time around. So I don't know if Jake's going to consider this a cop out or not, or if he's going to love this. I went <laughs> Matt Prater. The, defense. the man went with the kicker. Kickers are people Matt too. Matt Prater. Right uh, now. No, I'm not. It's, kickers are never cop outs, man. Right now he's going as the kicker 15 in ADP. I have him as my kicker six right now. Big leg, indoors, good weather. Money uh, from 50 plus. Minute from 50 plus, their offense is going to move the ball. They're going to run a ton of plays. And they might not be able to move the ball into the end zone as much, but that's great. That's great for your kicker. Uh, and we've seen whether it was Zane Gonzalez or others have a lot of success being the number one kicker for the Arizona Cardinals in fantasy over the last couple of years. Uh, he's getting slept on big. Uh, I have massive, nine spots higher. Massive upgrade from Zane Gonzalez. Who yes. Can barely oh, kick yeah. a 50 yarder and Matt's still good from 62, 63. You can oh, send yeah. him out there before the half and that's going to be money. 
Uh, I like, I'm not never a cop out, man. I mean, that's, you go back to Greg, the leg a few years ago before he fell off the planet and all those 50s, yeah. he was picking for the Rams. That matters, man. We had, I had like five 20 point games one year from Greg's airline. Now Prater could easily hit that because this offense slows down the closer they get to the red zone. And we were talking about a guy that's that, I mean, he's the all time leader, I think and 50 yard field goals. I'm, I'm just not a cop out. It's better than, better than your defense. <laughs> Jake, who's your sleeper? I want James Conner because of what we're talking like about with Chase Edmonds. I think it, I think they're going to figure out pretty early on that he can't handle quite as much of the workload as they want, and they want him to stay fresh and have those big explosive plays. And from what I hear, and they like James Conner. He's going to fit in the locker room really well. He's coming from a place that has a solid locker room that comes from a different foundation that this coaching staff and I think uh, a lot of the people in that organization are going to rally around. The way how hard he works, that's not going on in this locker room. I think a lot of that's going to translate to him getting more touches and more carries. And I, I think he's a forgotten guy at this point, as Chris was just saying. I, I think there's a chance for him to be a sleeper. I also like two other things I like before you go to your next point, Chris, is one, him having a lesser workload will be helpful for yes. him just staying healthy. And two, if we don't think or we have concern that Chase Edmonds isn't going to stay healthy, who's going to get those touches when he's not? And that's going to be James Conner. And who's yeah. going to get a lot of the red zone inside the 10 touches that they're going to need from James Conner. So I like that a lot. He's a player that he's one of those rare guys that right now I'm kind of like targeting with the, as a, as a bench player, because I, I think again, he's probably not going to start for you the first few weeks of the season, but I think you're going to be really happy that he's sitting on your bench when we get to the back part of the year. I don't know if I want to share my sleeper with the class. I feel like I'm, there's going to be some eyeballs thrown my direction for this, but I'll, I'll share an it option. anyway. That's an absolute cop. I'm yeah, sure yeah. you're damn sleeper. Because you get paid to say I, words. I went. I went. AJ Green. He's oh, the wide no. receiver. He's the wide receiver. Sixty-eight. That's why we call you. That's the, too high. And, 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 and no, and no, it's not because the, the, oh. and the point I'm going and the point I'm going to make is somebody on this team has to be the wide receiver too. It, somebody Hurt. has to do it. Christian and it's Kirk. not Christian. It's not going to be Christian Kirk. I've been hearing for years that it's going to be Christian Kirk. I'm when still he's waiting. Healthy, he's damn sure the wide receiver too. AJ Green. Did you watch him play last year? I did. Most inefficient think, wide receiver in the NFL last year. That was with I, an upgraded quarterback. Joe Burrow is better than Kyler Murray. Yeah, Joe Burrow is better passer than Kyler Murray. I think in the role that they're going to ask AJ Green to fulfill, he's going to be able to be that wide receiver too for this team. And I, at wide receiver 68, I don't have a problem with it. I don't have a problem so with it. So when you draft AJ Green and he blows up in your face, you can that's you fine. can thank Chris Schubert. That's, cr- that's at fine. Chris or at Shoe Radio nope. on what is. are you yep. on? Add know. him add him to the Twitter. team where Cam Akers is just starting running back. I want no part of AJ Green. No, AJ Green he's only thinks my, he's, I don't he's think he's in my top eighty. Last year, red line, do not draft. Yeah, I don't think I don't think either Green or Rondale Moore are in my top eighty. I can I can check. I take Rondale Moore over AJ Green. I no. think they're closer to me, but like I don't want either one of them. You'd want Rondell Moore over A.J. Green? Yeah. All right. All right. We'll just agree to disagree here. San Francisco move him around, put him in motion, and hand him the ball off in a reverse or something. Throw a bubble screen and uh, run after the catch. A.J. Green is nothing but a back shoulder, go up and get it guy now, and they already got one on the other The catch is only like 50% of the pass thrown to him now. Yeah. Uh, one burning question for this team before we move on to the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, to me, it says this Arizona offense evolve. Um, because they got hit in the mouth. And and to Jake's point, one of the biggest things that happened in that second Seattle game is Kyler Murray got caught. And that was the first time we really saw him get caught in his career. And he got banged up a little bit. Wasn't the same quarterback the rest of the year. Is this offense more dynamic? Do they do more things? Or is this Kyler Murray just kind of operating the same way he has the last two years, which is fun to watch, but isn't conducive to being 
the best football team and being the best offense they can be. If we get more of what we had for the last two years, Kyler Murray fantasy value will be fine. Everybody else's is going to suffer. And, and that's the big thing to me because he got caught last year, got banged up a little bit. And all of a sudden, the the exciting, what, it, what I used to call him, like a, a marble on ice or whatever, we saw with like, that's what it felt like when he was running around. That didn't happen so much of those final half dozen games of the year. That's a concern to me. Uh, I, I, I don't, I'm not really excited about where this team sits right now. Uh, they have a lot of names, but it feels like they just got a lot of names that are either past their prime or just aren't or are sexier names than they are fundamental football players at this point. Like I just, I just have concerns with this, this team, this team might be fun to watch and it might get some attention, but I don't necessarily think they're going to be that good. Agree wholeheartedly. I put on there along all those lines is can Kyler be consistent and can he progress as a quarterback? The big question there is how hard he wants to work. Quarterbacks cannot be the last guy in before walkthroughs and not be the first guy and the last guy out studying the nuances of the playbook. Apparently this playbook's a lot like Mike Leach's and you can write it down on one sheet of paper with a pencil. There's not a lot going on, especially if they're going to be in four wides all the time again. Can you guys name a tight end on this team? So I'm so glad you said that because this morning I was looking it up and I went, I don't know who the starting tight end is. I looked it up and apparently it's Max Williams, but like, yikes. It's like Max Williams and like a whole bunch of just nobodies. What does that say to you? That says they're going to be back and four wide all the time where they went 12 personnel for a while there two years ago when Chase Edmonds ran for like 200 in New York. I don't know that that is conducive to being any good in the NFL. No, they, they, they ran four wide more than any team in the NFL last year, and they might have to run it even more often again this year. They don't have don't, the pieces. Like, I, I just – that's what I'm saying. Like, this is this is not that good of a football team. Like, I, I, people get lost in the big names, the J.J. Watts, the A.J. Greens, the Kyler Murrays, the DeAndre Hopkins. They have some pieces here. Where those guys go to retire there, the desert? Yeah, like, look, I, I, I had season tickets when – they were bringing in Emmett Smith and and some of these guys and Edron James and some of these types of players that would, would come to Arizona at the end of their careers. I just, I just, I don't know. Like I, I have a lot of concerns about this team. Like I, I would not right now, if I, we were doing playoff predictions, I would not pick them to, to be a wild card team. No, coming out of this division. The my worst team question. in the division. Yeah. Yes. yes By far. Not even close. Uh, my burning question along those lines was, can Cliff Kingsbury evolve enough as a play caller to get this offense going? Because I think, yes, there are questions about Kyler, but I think Cliff also needs to be better too. Uh, some of his play calling is just very game generic. They too. do a lot. Game management's also important. He was brutal at it last year. They they got bailed out in one of their, you know, they finished one game short of the playoffs, but I can pick a handful of games that his game management almost cost them games. Uh, and so it, it was brutal. Uh, and so I think he needs to evolve as a coach because I think that's going to get this offense going because a lot of the stuff they do is extremely generic. Uh, they do it a lot. Like like you said, Jake, the play calling is just, it's just the same almost on a weekly basis. Because so the they have to do is not that deep. There's not a lot right. of nuance changing week to so, week with the game plan. It's a lot of the same plays they're running against very different defenses. Almost like the guy yeah, was so, unqualified for the job he was hired to do. Hmm, interesting. Interesting that you say that. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers, the last team up here. Biggest bust potential. Jamie, I have two names written down here. So I want to see because well, listen, I, there are a few I names. Said AJ, I said AJ Green, I got yelled at. So I'm hoping I can redeem myself okay. here in the in with this team. Because I want to start a fight with you. The biggest boss potential is Trey Sermon. Uh, I right have now. him written down. I have him yes! written down. Yes. Right now he's going as the RB33. 
I agree that that's way too high. I love Trey Sermon. That's way too high. The, the, by the way, the number three running back on the depth chart right now and number four in the back half of the season when Jeff Wilson comes back is going as the RB33 right now. Uh, I have been RB45. I think that's generous. I do think he'll get some work. Dude cannot catch passes, will not catch passes, will not have any effect in that lane for you for PPR leagues. Uh, for my money, he is the number three running back, and I'll explain why I think that when we get to our sleeper conversation of, of who I have in that spot. Uh, to me, it's he's a rookie, so it's going to be out there. Uh, he had a huge college football playoff, so there's going to be hype around him there. Uh, but also, like people forget, like dude was the, the Ohio State backup up until like the final three or four games of the season as well. Uh, I still don't see how he fits in this offense. I, again, I'm not going to pretend that I think I'm smarter than Kyle Shanahan or anything like that. But I just I'm, right now, I do not see how he fits in this offense right now. I know Raheem Mostert's got bust potential just because of his injury history, as good as he is. He's just got to stay on the field. Like when he's on the field, he's not going to bust for you most likely, but he's got to stay on there. But I hate where Trey Sermon is going right now. 100% agree. The only name I wrote down, absolutely the biggest bust potential. Where does Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert get so much fantasy love? Right outside the red zone on a screen pass that they take to the house. They both do it a lot. They run a draw from the same place from the 25 to the 30. They run it in for all the time. I, he's not on the field in that situation. I, I just, I agree with Jamie. I love Kyle. I love John Lynch. I don't see how he fits with what they do at all. The running backs have to be able to catch dump off passes. I don't see him doing that. Yeah, listen, I, I have been the Trey Sermon defender on this show. I That's like right. him a lot, but I have him written down here too because I think RB33 is way too high. I listen, I can love a guy and also recognize that he's going in a spot where now I don't love him as much anymore. Since when? Right? Hype trains become rational train? No, no, it's just in this specific instance, I looked at it and I love Trey Sermon. I'm not getting off. I'm not getting off. I just picked AJ Green as my sleeper and you destroy me. Now I come back to reality. Now it's not, you're not being hype trained enough. Pick one, pick a lane and stick to it. You pick a lane and stick with it. Who's your second one, Chris? I also added Brandon Ayuk to this list because I I hate you so much. If 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 George Kittle and Debo Samuel are both healthy, if they're both healthy, I don't know how many targets he is going to get. It's a fair conversation. I still think Ayuk is worth taking because I think Ayuk's a far more complete receiver than Debo Samuel, and I actually think he's the I, number one wide receiver on this team. Now, George Kittle will be the number one pass catcher, but I believe Brandon Ayuk is the number one wide receiver on this team, uh, and he can do more things than Debo Samuel, who I also like, but... Uh, it's fair. It's reasonable to say that if everybody stays healthy, but Kittle's not going to stay healthy for 17 games. I'd be willing to to bet a, a decent sum of money on that. Uh, I think Brandon Aiku is going to end up being the guy. I think Debo Samuel is going to be the player that's more up and down on a weekly basis. By the end of the year, his, his totals will look good, but I think he'll be a little bit more up and down because there isn't also there isn't an established third option on this team yet either. Like we talked about this no. last year when Debo Samuel got hurt. Like, who are they going to be some of these options? And none of those young guys that they've had there have stepped up. The uh, biggest sleeper on the San Francisco 49ers. Wayne Gallman. I mentioned this a couple shows ago. People are completely sleeping on him in fantasy and in real life. From my estimation and everything we've heard so far, he is the number two running back right now in San Francisco behind Raheem Mostert. We saw him have plenty of fantasy success last year, relieving Saquon Barkley and then Devonta Freeman when he got hurt in New York. He's a tough runner. He can do everything that Kyle Shanahan wants him to do. He and Trey Sermon should be going like right next to each other in fantasy drafts right now. Goldman is going, what is this now? 36 spots 
behind Trey Sermon as the running back 69, which is not nice, Chris. Uh, he should be going a lot higher than this. He's a top 50 running back in my estimation. He is the guy that I want to keep an eye on because Mostert's in prolonged injury history is a factor, and I think Wayne Gallman could step right up and basically be an RB2 flex player for you if Mostert gets hurt. That makes sense, James. He fits. He yeah. catches the dump off. He picks up the blitz. He runs his tail off like it's his last play every time he touches the ball. He fits what they do. I don't know that he really fits the zone running scheme so much, but they don't run that all the time. I mean, he's he fits. He's a pro's pro backup guy that you're going to put in over a rookie every single time until Wilson comes back. I put Raheem Mostert as a sleeper. Because if he does stay healthy, with what we're talking about as his backup, he's the dude. Jeff Wilson can push him for carries and touches. But if he's not there and Raheem Mostert is healthy, you're talking about a top 15 guy, right? I mean, if he's yeah. out there for 18 to 25 touches a game, he's superstar home run hitter. He just has to do that. Yeah, his peaks are high. Like, I yeah. mean, Mostert's peaks are high. He's a fun guy for best ball leagues. One other name I want to throw out, and it's not somebody you're going to draft, but somebody that I think you want to put a star behind so you don't forget about him. Jeff Wilson's going to come back, and he's going to play half the season, and he's going to have a role when he's back, regardless of the health status of Raheem Mostert. So that's somebody that you want to keep a star by and maybe be a, really following closely what his rehab schedule looks like because he's going to be back right as buys are really starting to pick up. So I would just keep an eye on him because he is going to have a role. What's the other rookie's name? The speedster from Louisiana? Oh, Elijah Mitchell. I don't hate that. He fits too because Kyle yeah. loves these freaking burners that can catch that edge in the zone or catch that screen pass and get it. If he has a solid camp, I can see him pushing Trey Sermon for touches, especially yeah, like in certain too. situations. The one burning question for the San Francisco 49ers. So for me, I went with if and when, but when does the QB switch happen? Because I, I think it's, it's the quarterback. Yeah. I said, I who's the quarterback inevitable. for the majority of the season? But when does it happen? Is it the majority of the season? Because it's going to affect a few things, you know, and I want to see. To me, it's more of like, obviously, there are things that can open up in the run game with, with Trey Sermon, or excuse me, Trey Lance's mobility. But I'm also curious to see, like, where he leans. And, like, I, I'm always fascinated when a new quarterback takes over of who is the player that he has chemistry with. We know how many targets that George Kittle, for example, got from Garoppolo and Mullins and Beathard and those guys and where they look to them and how and how they interacted. Will he get that same sort of target share with Trey Lance? Does he favor a different type of receiver? Now, there aren't that many pass catching options for San Francisco to go to, so it's not like we're going to see somebody come out of the, the woodwork. But to me, it's always fascinating because sometimes you see a quarterback switch and all of a sudden there are some trend changes. We talked about it a little bit with Saquon Barkley. Of he was a guy that was targeted about a little bit, I believe it was like 2.3 times fewer per game when Daniel Jones is a starting quarterback compared to Eli Manning. And like, so sometimes, and over the course of a season, that makes a big difference. Yeah. So that's, you know, something that I want to kind of curious to see when does that switch happen? Does it happen early in the season, mid season, not at all at week one? I have no idea. Like, I could see any of these outcomes happening right now. Uh, when does that happen? And then how does that affect the target share for George Kittle in particular, but any of the top pass catching options? Yeah, I put it as a quarterback because I still think it's Jimmy G unless he gets supplanted by injury. And then I like Trey Lance's raw, but I love the fact that the offense he played in college, he was under center a lot. And to me, the, what they did with George Kittle with Beathard and those guys was he was split out wide because they never had two other receivers on the field. So he's going to be playing tight end if Ayuk and Samuel are healthy. I think that limits him when Trey Lance comes in because I don't know if he's going to look to the tight end down the middle. It's a little bit easier of a read than going outside. 
Uh, so I agree with you wholeheartedly. If that switch happens, there's going to be a shakeup, but they're not going to move Kittle around as much as they have in the past when they have those other two guys healthy. I still think it's Jimmy G unless he gets hurt. That's it. The NFC West in the books. Uh, that is going to do it for us here. The uh, the South divisions next week on the show. We're going to do the AFC South and the NFC South next week. Jamie, real quick, where can everybody follow you on social media? Follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter and at Jamie Eisner TDN on Instagram. Jake? Jake B. Arians on Twitter and Arians NFL on Instagram. Like I said, the AFC South and the NFC South are the divisions that we are going to focus on next week. You can follow me on Twitter at Shoe Radio, S-C-H-U Radio. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter at TDN Fantasy and the DraftNetwork.com underneath the Fantasy tab is where you can find all of Jamie's rankings and projections and stories related to fantasy football content. Everybody have a great rest of your week and weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.